Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, my dear. I hate to be contrary, but I can see he's a little bit confused. Poor old chap, and I do feel you should have the correct explanation. You don't mind, do you? Yes. I didn't think you would. You see, Joe, I may call you Joe, mayn't I? You see, he is one of me. Oh, I see. You're both Time Lords. Well, quite. Well, not quite. Oh. Not, not just Time Lords. We're the same Time Lord. Now, please, you're only confusing my assistant. Joe, it's all quite simple. I am he, and he is me. And we are all together, Goo Goo Kichu? Mm -hmm. What? It's a song by the Beatles. Oh, uh, how does it go? Oh, please be quiet. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we are going to be watching The Three Doctors. The Three Doctors was written by Bob Baker and David Martin, was directed by Lenny Main, and produced by Barry Letts. And it aired December 30th, 1972 to January 20th, 1973. I'm really excited about this episode, okay? I know that I'm going to like it. The writers do not instill a whole lot of confidence in me. Because Bob Baker and Dave Martin wrote Claws of Axos and The Mutants. Fuck. Two episodes that are currently sitting in my bottom five. <laughs> I was excited until I found that out. <laughs> but yeah, this is the 10th anniversary episode for the show, not for us specifically. You might notice that it's not technically landing on the, <laughs> the 10th anniversary because I think it was some sort of broadcast hiatus going on. So it was broadcast 10 to 11 months early because, you know, the show started in November of 63. So I'm not entirely sure why i don't know some sort of broadcast scheduling i guess i don't know so it's the nine year anniversary so it's kind of the nine year anniversary but caleb can you imagine sticking with this show for 10 years <laughs> like as it is now <laughs> <laughs> boy howdy i mean listen this was peak television i imagine back in the day probably i mean it wouldn't have lasted 10 years if it wasn't but i'm i'm curious Given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Three Doctors, what do you think this episode's going to be about? The Master's back, and he invents another another time pussy to slip through. And, oh my god, the other two Doctors are there, and they gotta fight the Master and Hitler and fucking Anubis. <laughs> Egyptian god of death or whatever. In a knockout, explosive, blockbuster, 10th anniversary episode. Also, I'm going to predict the first Doctor will say Merry Christmas for some reason. <laughs> you know, it's a solid prediction of just like, the Master's going to show up and then they beat the Master. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honestly, I get it. <laughs> I, I will go ahead and put your mind at ease now, Caleb. You will be relieved to know that the Master is not in this episode. <laughs> oh, thank God. But yeah, I've I've been looking forward to this episode. I'm still looking forward to it, regardless of who the writers are. 
I'm just going to pretend it's going to be fine. Uh, also, this is a four-parter to also put your mind at ease a little bit Oh, more. okay. It instantly almost top five. <laughs> <laughs> it's guaranteed to be in the top half at least. And I have it on DVD. So, like, I'm excited to go watch it. So, I guess on that note, <laughs> we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. Always so proud when we can get it in less than less than a week. <laughs> Under a week. Mac prefers the same amount of days as the episodes. I'm pretty content with under a week. <laughs> it was a nice, breezy four-parter. And uh, I appreciated it because it, it feels like they were holding back. Like, ah, oh, we could have made this a six-parter, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I, I think part of it's like coming off of so many six-episode ones, especially not good six-episode ones. <laughs> God, four episodes feels so good. Yeah, no, it really does. It's strange. It's like in literally any other context, watching four episodes, if anything, would be like, ugh, God. But like in Doctor Who, it's like, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> they stopped using the whip and now they're just using the paddle. Oh, thank God. Thank God. What a relief. <laughs> um, I only had to sit through two hours of television. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming... It was also a nice uh, palate cleanser after the Time Monster, huh? Oh my fucking god. I I still am angry about it. Well, I mean, I guess that leads into uh, our general thoughts about it. Because, um, I mean, it's at the top of my ranking list right now. Because, um, look, it was a very fan service episode, okay? And as a fan, I felt sufficiently serviced. <laughs> I'd say it's probably at the top of mind too. I think it's actually probably the best structured one, and I feel like it moves along very well. This is the closest to like a second Doctor episode that we got, weird yeah. because he's in it. <laughs> yeah, that that helps. <laughs> but like the pacing was very good. I felt it it had crazy sci-fi concepts without getting too lost in the weeds about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought it was good, and I liked the villain. And I like the villain's arc. Yeah. It flirted with the weeds a little bit at the very end, but, like, it was it was fine. The whole story wasn't taken up by it. Yeah. But, no, overall, I liked it. I think it's probably my favorite episode. And not because it's fan service, because I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, having Patrick Troughton back, did it, it did feel good. Yeah, it did. He brought some good humor to it. And then they brought Hartnell back and the most way he probably could it's more like two and a half doctors but we'll take <laughs> it <laughs> that does lead a little bit into the post view notes though because uh obviously this is the first multi-doctor episode and this is gonna sound like this is gonna sound so weird to you caleb this is the first time the doctor offers someone a jelly baby what <laughs> is that a jelly bean <laughs> yeah it's it it's more like um it's kind of like a jelly bean only it's got more like a powdered sugar kind of thing coating on it. Uh, the second doctor offers it to the Brigadier at one point when their best plan was to just wait in the TARDIS. It's a thing that the fourth doctor does a lot. So, uh, okay. <laughs> it's one of his shticks. One of his many shticks. Well, great. I'm glad that seed's getting planted early. 
I also want to know who the fucking producer is that watches stuff like this, and they're like, let's make that a thing. <laughs> like, the sonic screwdriver, like, you don't even really see it when it's first introduced. <laughs> and then some producer also was like, oh, that's a thing now. He does that all the time. Although, knowing Tom Baker, I would not... I will not be surprised if it turns out in the trivia where the first time the fourth doctor offers a jelly baby, it's because it was completely improv. <laughs> Tom Baker's one of those actors. <laughs> one of those actors. And also, this is, I don't know, first reference? I don't know how you put it. The first reference to the Time Lord Omega. He's a big part of Time Lord ancient lore, and he gets brought up several times. And boy, is he referenced in a big way in this episode. In that he's the villain. <laughs> Referenced as in he's a central character. Yeah, I was going to say, because like when I thought you were saying that this isn't the first time I see him, I was like, I feel like that this should be the only time. This seems pretty definitive. Yeah, no, this is the only time we see him, but Omega gets referenced a couple more times in regards to like ancient Time Lord stuff. Because, I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but like he kind of helped them invent time travel. So it's kind of a big fucking deal for the Time Lords. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing that up, he invented time travel for the Time Lords. Why does he refer to them as Time Lords? Were they Time Lords before? Were they just really into wanting to have time travel? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I need answers, Doctor Who. But we're getting too specific. Now let's start getting really specific. Yeah, let's get really specific by reading episode one's description. Some dude named Arthur finds a weird box, and a man named Dr. Tyler comes to investigate it. The box activates, and Arthur disappears. Tyler takes the box back to Unit HQ to show it to the doctor. When he and Joe leave, the box absorbs him as well. As Joe and the doctor return, they are attacked by the same creature that got Tyler. As they discuss the unfolding situation with the Brigadier, HQ is attacked by the doofiest aliens imaginable. The doctor, Joe, the Brigadier, and Benton are all trapped inside the TARDIS and surrounded. The Time Lords, who are also under assault from an unknown force, break all the time rules and summon the second Doctor to help. Naturally, the two argue for several minutes before being interrupted by the first Doctor, who convinces them to turn off the force field and go outside. It's worth noting that, like, at the very top, because I already knew that I was, I, I knew going in that I was going to love this episode, the theme music started playing, and I was just, like, bouncing up and down excitedly on the couch like a little schoolgirl. And it was, <laughs> it was just, I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how desperate Unit is for work, just like in general, because a guy isn't where his wife thought he was going to be out in the countryside. So they call in the United Nations Intelligence Task Force to try and figure out where he went. (laughs) Seems like some overkill. I'd go to the cops first. (laughs) Listen, when you're between jobs, I know this as a contractor, when you're between jobs, sometimes you just gotta take shit. <laughs> yes, this is beneath me. Yes, I need the money. <laughs> the Brigadier the brigadier is listening to all the fucking phone calls going between the wires and just hears this one and he just immediately calls the police department. Uh, this is unit job now. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll send the bill. Speaking of the Brigadier feeling useless... There was a moment early on that really, really made me laugh really hard where like the doctor and Dr. Tyler, the doctor and Professor Tyler are trying to figure out what's the deal with these like snapshots from space and where the one dude with disappeared and everything. And the brigadier asks the doctor, is there anything I can do? And the doctor says, yes, pass me a silicon rod, would you? And so the brigadier picks up a rod 
hands it to Professor Tyler. Professor Tyler passes it to Joe. Joe passes it to the doctor, and the doctor uses it to stir his tea. (laughs) 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 And he's like, yes, I was more referring to what can... Can unit do anything for you? And the doctor's like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then the, uh, the weird multicolor goo thing starts attacking the unit base and like making people disappear and going down the drain and it it definitely looks like a horrible special effect it's definitely like a super imposed just like color kaleidoscope thing that's just kind of put on the screen it almost weirdly helps make it seem more otherworldly Oh, no, I totally agree. That wasn't the doofy alien I was referring to. No, 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 no. I know the doofy alien you were referring to. <laughs> but no, I agree. Like, it's not it's not a good effect. It was probably fine for early 1970s. But yeah, but I agree. It definitely has this kind of ethereal, not of this reality vibe, which is kind of a plot point later. Yeah. And then they go out to where the one dude disappeared. And... I kind of want to make a list of just, like, things the sonic screwdriver doubles as. (laughs) Because right now it's a Geiger counter. (laughs) Based on the one episode of New Who I've seen, the sonic screwdriver does do everything. It is not just a screwdriver. It kind of gets really fucking ridiculous, if I'm going to (laughs) be honest with you. The sonic screwdriver has a... uh... A Dragon Ball Z arc, if you will. It kind of... If I, for whatever reason, were put in charge as showrunner of Doctor Who right now, I think one of the things I would do is destroy the Sonic Screwdriver in some dramatic fashion, which would piss off so many fans, and I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Doctor Who fans, we're going to have to get a new Deus Ex machine. The Sonic Screwdriver basically becomes a wand for Harry Potter. Like, that, that, that's not even a little bit of an exaggeration, and I hate it. I cannot wait to watch the Doctor get into a, a wizarding duel with other Doctors, with, or other Time Lords with Sonic Screwdrivers. Oh no, your stoic face is, is not helping me right now. Caleb, I thought you hadn't watched any of New Who before we started this podcast. You fucking liar. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, anyway, this episode, <laughs> now that it's only a Geiger counter right now. And so this weird ethereal goo thing, it's trying, it's tracking down the doctor, but like it's not exactly what you would call a very effective bloodhound. Uh, so it's going after everything that's even remotely close to the Doctor. And it attacks Professor Tyler because he was in the lab that the Doctor usually works. But that doesn't make any sense because the Doctor seems to be working in a different lab every other episode. <laughs> so I'm not sure what the connection is here. I mean, he was in the room at one point. I guess. And then it takes out Bessie. Oh, God. Salutations, Bessie. Bessie survives. I honestly thought that this was going to be the episode where they got rid of Bessie. Like, spoiler alert, the Doctor gets full control over the TARDIS at the end of this episode, and I kind of thought that they were going to destroy Bessie in this episode as, like, a means of, oh, he's back in the TARDIS, he doesn't need the car anymore. But it's okay, Bessie's fine. Oh, thank God. 
Bessie's my favorite character. <laughs> She's definitely the least morally ambiguous character. <laughs> She's just doing her job. <laughs> She's getting around. And then the spaghetti monsters attack. Is it even spaghetti? Well, it's it's not spaghetti monsters. It's like, it's more it's more like, you, you know, like the uh, bad ghost costume where they just put a sheet over a kid. It's that with a spaghetti print. Is that with spaghetti prints? And there's just like eyeballs all over it. And uh, as these weird ass spaghetti ghost things arrive, I think this is a good time to remind everyone that this is the writing team that brought us the claws of Axos. <laughs> <laughs> And then the spaghetti monsters shoot lasers out of their lobster claws. And uh, I'd like to remind everyone that this is the same writing team that brought us the mutants. (laughs) Monster design isn't their strength. Eh, you know. (laughs) And then the doctor mentions how the goo monster was just like a scout. And this is the uh, vanguard force. And the brigadiers, they're all looking out the window watching unit fight these things. And... Brigadier says their grasp of military tactics are very good. I'm like, are they? <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I was like, <laughs> feels like a stretch. <laughs> are you sure? You sure about that? Are you sure you're not just really bad at your job? <laughs> <laughs> and right after he says their grasp of military <laughs> military tactics are very good, Joe responds with, "Well, let's hope Sergeant Benton's are even better." And I'm like, well. He is apparently the most senior officer at this base, Brigadier, so commanding the troops definitely falls to him. <laughs> <laughs> this brings up an important question. Where was Yates? You know what? I'll go ahead and give you that uh, trivia right now. The answer to that question is that uh, Richard Franklin was in a theatrical production and couldn't make it. So all of Yates' lines were given to Benton. <laughs> <laughs> And they just didn't bring it up. They didn't write an extra line. They're like, oh, Yates is on leave. Yates is on a mission to Peru or some shit. Who knows? Benton's strategy so far just appears to be shoot it till it dies, which is a bold strategy, Con. Let's see if it works out for him, because I'm struggling to think of a single alien that they've fought in Doctor Who that was affected by bullets at all. (laughs) I mean, just get bigger bullets. (laughs) That's usually how they did it. It's like, well, the bullets didn't work. Bring in the artillery. But the goo goo uh, makes a comeback, and the doctor tells Joe to run away because the doc because it will ignore her because it's after the doctor, and like that makes kind of, that kind of makes sense. But if the creature was willing to attack the professor because he was in the doctor's lab, I'm pretty sure the creature will go after the person the doctor spends the most time with. <laughs> Not to make it too creepy, but she's got Dr. Pheromones all over her. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They have to pretend the doctor's a good person sometimes. Sometimes they have to act like he's, I don't know, chivalrous. (laughs) That could be what he's doing. He might also be telling Joe to run away, hoping that it'll go after her first. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. That's far more believable. (laughs) Because the doctor's chivalrous attitude pretty much deteriorates the moment the second doctor arrives and they just argue for five minutes (laughs) basically (laughs) this goo creature is making things disappear obviously bullets aren't working against the weird spaghetti ghost lobster things and i'm not saying that these things don't seem tough but the only other time the doctor has ever called on the time lords for help was during the war games and it doesn't feel like we've gotten to that level yet (laughs) 
we have not reached the last resort. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It certainly doesn't feel like, hey, there, I actually have no other option than to talk to the Time Lords. I mean, you haven't even tried to use the sonic screwdriver on the goo thing yet. Yeah, who knows? You haven't even tried to reverse the polarity. Did you even think about that? Try reversing the polarity first. Try banging around and, like, throwing some uh, wrenches together and being really condescending. <laughs> Did you even try to be condescending? You have so many options before you go to plan Z. <laughs> but then we do cut over to the Time Lords. And, man, this conversation was so fucking... All of the conversations involving the Time Lords are so fucking cyclical. Mm-hmm. I can summarize... The conversation between this Time Lord, who I forget what his, what his position name was, and the Chancellor, is... Time Lord says a thing. Chancellor goes, are you saying this thing again, but in layman's terms? And, like, it really is just, like, a call and response of this guy says something. He says, are you saying... and then says the thing again. It's just... it's kind of yep. annoying. <laughs> yep, all the, all the Time Lord bits are relevant. Could have been three episodes. We could have just cut out all the Time Lord conversations. Honestly, yeah. In order to... I think it would be a better job of, like, keeping the Time Lord mystique if mm-hmm. we just didn't show the Time Lords at all. And just, like, all of a sudden, like, multiple Doctors are showing up because apparently mm-hmm. they can just pull them out of the time stream. It enhances their mystique. It makes them more of like a force of nature that the Doctor has to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then when they do arrive, you feel like it's a big deal. Like when that one time Lord just kind of fucking materialized in the air and was like, hey, watch out for that dude, the Master. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, but seeing the Time Lords in that Time Lord world, I don't know. It it just makes them feel like dudes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ordinarily, I put this in the category of horror, but like when you have an otherworldly being and then you kind of give it a face for lack of a better word it it becomes less of a force of nature because Mm -hmm. when you give them the stupid robes that they're walking around in you're like is it a pain to get those robes on what do time lord pajamas look like do time lords sleep what are time lord beds like like you're (laughs) like just like thinking about all this shit that I would have never had to thought about with, like, the Tribunal, for example. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it stops you from focusing on all the very important time gobbledygook they're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, my next note is just, Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> because the second Doctor appears. Best thing about this is when the third Doctor is trying to explain it to Joe, both of them get very indignant by not being the main one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm the Doctor. No, I'm the Doctor. No, I'm the Doctor. He's me. No, you're me. <laughs> the second Doctor is like, you're not You're not the Doctor because you haven't happened yet. The third Doctor is like, you're not the Doctor because you're too far in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then the third Doctor... I'll probably have this as the intro because I just love this. I love this back and forth bit of the, both doctors are trying their best to explain to Joe what the fuck is happening right now. And uh, the third doctor says, it's all really very, it's all really very easy. I am he and he is me. She goes, we are all together, cuckoo And it's like, what? It's a, it's a song by the Beatles. And then the second doctor takes out his uh, recorder. And he's like, really? How's it go? <laughs> and... <laughs> I refuse to believe the doctor doesn't know how to play I Am the Walrus on recorder. <laughs> Important. 
the second doctor does not shut the fuck up about the recorder the whole time. I was like, ah, good old second doctor. <laughs> I'm very annoyed in the most nostalgic of ways. <laughs> yeah, I do like how, you know, we've established Time Lords are vaguely telepathic. The two doctors just kind of have like a, all right, here's a software update for you to catch the younger one up so that they don't need to explain everything that's already happened again. We don't need to recap shit we've just been watching for the past 20 minutes. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, they do a sweet mind meld. And then they continue arguing anyway <laughs> until the first doctor arrives on TV to go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you two, shut the fuck up. I do like, like they try to put the first doctor in there. This is the in-universe reasoning. They try to put the first doctor in there, but they're the Time Lords are running low on power because they're also being attacked by this weird entity. So he can only kind of, like, communicate them via the screen. And so he sees the second and third Doctor, and his response is, Ah, so you're my replacements, are you? A dandy and a clown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, first Doctor, how I've missed you. <laughs> Never thought I'd hear you say that. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I listen to one bully people, I'm like, hmm. I'm weirdly nostalgic for that. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a this is a pleasantly nostalgic episode. I like it. I do like that Hartnell is like looking off screen every couple of seconds, and I just know that there's the big note cards. Yes, off that to is, the side. That is exactly what's happening. He is reading his lines <laughs> off of cue cards. Which made me, which begs the question: Why did that person stand behind the camera? Why were they off to the side? <laughs> I'm sure the cameras were like much bulkier back then. They probably wouldn't have been able to do that. But yeah, I do kind of love how the Doctor's ego is just so big. He kind of has to come in conflict with itself. Yeah. <laughs> the conflict is inevitable. And then the first Doctor says... Well, the second and third are like... <laughs> sorry, there's, there's, too, there's, too much, there's too much good stuff between this, in this scene. The first Doctor asks the second and third, So what have, we, what have you done so far about this? And the second is like, well, we've assessed the situation and first like ah just as i suspected nothing <laughs> <laughs> and um and then third's like well it's not like we know what that thing even is and the first is like well i'll tell you then it's a time bridge and i'm like okay why does the youngest version of the doctor know what the goo is <laughs> if he knows that shouldn't you two know that <laughs> <laughs> Mac, you're getting too you're getting too lost in the weeds again. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Things like continuity are irrelevant. I guess since they sent the first doctor to like advise the Time Lords could have been like, hey, tell these assholes what this thing is. So like he could have been told what it was by the Time Lords. I don't know. <laughs> but if that's the case, why didn't they tell the second? It's actually a Mako Terror situation where they have the first doctor held at gunpoint on camera and they're like, tell them this. And then the first doctor's like, why don't you tell them yourselves? And they have the obvious answer of, they won't listen to us. Which is fair. That is fair. If we tell them, they're just going to ignore it. They're just going to assume that we're stupid. And so the first doctor tells them to, hey, take down the barrier. It's a time bridge. What's a bridge for? And they're like, oh, right. And so they flip a coin to determine which one of them is going to go outside. And it comes up heads or tails, I don't know. But the third doctor's going out. So the second doctor turn, t turns off the barrier. Third doctor runs. Joe runs after it. And then they both disappear. They both get blasted by the bridge. Which leads us to episode two. Whoa. Whoa. 
the Doctor and Joe get blasted by the monster outside the TARDIS. Seeing that the monster feels it has completed its mission, the second Doctor feels comfortable leaving the TARDIS and running some tests. Joe and the Doctor appear on a strange planet which the Doctor explains as some sort of antimatter universe. They also find Tyler, and together they are ambushed by the weird monsters. The Brigadier argues with the second Doctor, who will not shut the fuck up about his recorder. Eventually, he dematerializes all of Unit and they wind up in the same place. That guy was even shorter than usual. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep in mind that this is a very second Doctor heavy episode. And he really does like end up just kind of cyclically arguing with the Brigadier about stuff. Yeah. Third and Joe disappear and Benton is concerned that, you know, they're dead. But second is like, they must have been transported. There's no way that someone would go to such great lengths just to kill him. And in the second's defense, he has not had to deal with the master yet, so he doesn't know better. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know about his frenemy in waiting. <laughs> but then uh, it's, <laughs> I love this moment. Uh, Nicholas Courtney was Nicholas Courtney was really good in this episode. I think he did a really good job of just like being borderline in the background, banging his head against the wall for having to deal <laughs> with two doctors at once. Um, yep. But. Uh, I do love how, you know, the goo monster seems to be more um, uh, passive now. So second and Benton leave the TARDIS. And then the Brigadier comes in with guns drawn. And the second doctor starts explaining what this uh, goo monster is. And the Brigadier just like, his head just like slowly turns to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's just like, why... Why do you look like that? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you look like that again? <laughs> I do agree. This story it kind of makes me love the Brigadier. Uh, I don't feel like he's been like this central to a story in a good long while. Yeah. So. Yeah. This episode definitely used the Brigadier pretty well, just in terms of his banter with the Doctor, and now he has twice as much to work with. And then at one point we cut back to the fucking Time Lords again, and... Um, and the Chancellor, or whoever the fuck, is mad that they took not one, but two different Doctors out of the Doctor's time stream and placed them in thirds because that, you know, violates the first law of time. And uh, let me let me go ahead and summarize this conversation. <clears throat> you can't break the first law of time, but we must. But you can't. But we must. But you can't. But we must. But you can't. And I'm not exaggerating even a little bit <laughs> not even a little <laughs> it's like uh, uh, wow that was super relevant guys yeah great i'm so glad we got this scene again i do like how we cut over to the third and joe in the in the bbc quarry joe wakes up the doctor and and just kind of like assumes that they're dead it's like wow heaven's a lot more boring than i thought it would be and this is the second episode in a row Joe has been transported outside of space and time and just assumed she was dead. Because <laughs> she did that in the Time Monster, too. Wow, this place sucks. God really is dead, isn't he? <laughs> I'm an atheist now, Doctor. <laughs> and he's like, you should have been that a long time ago. Then we cut over to a second. A lot of... I was about to say a lot of things are happening, but really it's just the second and the third doing their thing. And you can just black out while the uh, Time Lords are talking. This is really just two time, two stories right here. But uh, we cut over to the second, and uh, Benton is like, okay, so what do we do about the goo monster? How do we 
how do we prevent it from becoming active again? And the second is just like, well, we must keep it confused. Feed it with useless information. I wonder if I have a television set handy. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was like, oh, that's a funny joke for a TV show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's just show him Doctor Who. And again, it's Patrick Troughton. So, like, that could have been improv. I don't know. It sounds like something that might have been improv. <laughs> <laughs> they do set up, like, radio wave kind of things. And then Benton is put in charge of, like, watching it while the doctor goes off with the brigadier. And the, then Benton takes out, like, a stick of gum, eats the gum, and balls up the wrapper and then throws it at the goo monster. And then the goo monster gets angry. I'm like, Benton, why? Why did you do that? Why did you throw a thing at the goo monster you're worried is about to become active? You're an idiot. You're a corporal again. Congratulations. <laughs> we believe the corporal is this peanut. And then, because the goo monster is like being rah, 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 uh, the doctor waves the brigadier and Benton into the TARDIS, and the brigadier has like the moment of just like coming in and then seeing how big it is. I'm like, have you seriously never been in the TARDIS? The entire time it's been here. No, actually. Never even been a little bit curious. Never wondered why the Doctor constantly needs this blue box transported everywhere. Not even a little bit. He probably just assumed it was a kink thing and didn't want to know. I mean, that's what I would assume. There's no there's no real evidence that it isn't a kink thing. <laughs> it might still be a kink thing. <laughs> and then we cut over to the third. And they find Professor Tyler, who has written down e equals mc squared in the sand i'm like having trouble remembering that one are you needed to write that one down did you <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it's important to bring up the uh, all the science is gobbledygook but antimatter gobbledygook like really irritates me yeah I very distinctly remember going to see the movie Ad Astra, which on the whole I love and is a great movie. I absolutely hate the science in it because <laughs> part of it is because Brad Pitt has to be launched halfway across the galaxy to get to the space station that's releasing antimatter waves. <laughs> and that's not how that works at all. It's like matter, but opposite. <laughs> and waves. <laughs> This episode does the same thing because, like, they realize that they've been transported to an antimatter universe, which I it, it cannot be a thing. It's like inside this black hole. It's like this dimension inside this black hole. To be fair, they do make the point of like they shouldn't be able to exist in here. So, spoilers: Omega's behind this. Uh, Omega wow. kind of like kind of like converts them into antimatter. So that they can exist in this universe. I know it's stupid, but they're trying their best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, antimatter, antimatter and time travel stuff are my two things. I'm like, I don't to stop talking. Why did you agree to do this podcast then? <laughs> now, uh, listen, because uh, time travel as a, f a more fantasy concept is fine. I don't hate the concept of time travel. Just when they try to explain and rationalize it. That's fair. You know, 90% of the things I complained about in The Time Monster. The third, Joe and Professor Tyler are all ambushed by the lobster eyeball ghost spaghetti things and um, are led to Omega's palace, I guess. I like the word citadel. <laughs> Citadel's good. There you go. Joe's wondering why it is that they haven't been killed yet. 
And the doctor responds with, We're dealing with a being of superior intelligence. And superior intelligence and senseless cruelty just do not go together. I'm like... <laughs> My actual note is, I look at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) And then Professor Tyler's like, I'm going to make a break for it. And the doctor's like, that's a bad idea, Professor Tyler. You shouldn't do that. And he's like, okay, gonna anyway. And he just runs. (laughs) And then the doctor and Joe talk a little bit. And it keeps cutting back to Tyler just running through this maze. And then he eventually finds his way back to the doctor and Joe. And he says, and I quote, that was a bit of waste of time, wasn't it? And I'm like, imagine sitting down in front of your keyboard and writing out the sentence. That was a bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? And then deciding to keep it in. (laughs) If you have, if one of your characters points out how much of a waste of time something is, that's your cue to cut that. Here's my writing 101. Here's my writing 100 lesson for you. <laughs> but Mac, they can't have a three-episode Doctor Who. That's never been done before. It has, though. <laughs> have we had a three-episode? I know we've had a two. Um, I'm pretty sure we've had a th- three-episode one. Hold on. Hang on, we gotta go off on a tangent. There's not much more to talk about in this episode. Spoilers, this is my least favorite episode. Yeah, we've actually had... We've had one. We've had the Planet of Giants. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the Planet of Giants. Now, there will be more, but not for a while. <laughs> Planet of Giants is the only thir- three-episode story we've had so far. Okay, so Brigadier is trying to get in contact with his men with the radio, but like it's not, it's not connecting because they're in the TARDIS, so like it's difficult for them to for the radio to reach it. And the second doctor, like, twiddles with it a little bit. He's like, okay, here, try this. And Brigadier tries the radio again. It still doesn't work. A second uh, doctor takes the radio back, bangs on it twice, and then hands it back, and suddenly it works. <laughs> like, this episode is funny. I like this episode. <laughs> oh, second doctor, how we've missed you. I've missed you so much. And I don't, I so don't remember the context for this, but at one point, uh, the third pulls flowers out of his, out of his sleeve. And I'm like, every time he does stage magic, it always feels so right because of the (laughs) outfits he wears. (laughs) I know, the fucking velvet overcoat didn't sell it enough for you. (laughs) And also, speaking of weird ass costumes, Joe is wearing this weird, fuzzy half jacket. It's, like, light blue on top of, like, a light blue dress that's the exact same color. And that's the costume that we decided to use for you in the thumbnail, in case you were curious. <laughs> I was wondering, because I was looking at the thumbnail, I was like, I don't remember this one. I don't remember that outfit. Grand, I'm rocking it. Anytime we're trying to figure out what costume to use, we basically just Google that character, and then whatever costume it is that they're wearing the most in the Google image search... We just use that one. And screenshots of Joe from the Three Doctors came up a lot, so here you go. (laughs) (laughs) By we, Mac means he and his wife. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, she draws it, but she's basically like, what should I draw? And I was like, "Ah, this one. So I just sent sent her a bunch of reference photos of a a specific outfit. 
I think my favorite so far has still been me and Ben's sailor outfit. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. All right, third episode. Third episode. The Doctor, Joe, and Tyler are brought into a sort of throne room. There they meet Omega, a powerful Time Lord the Doctor is aware of. Omega invented the technology that made time travel possible, but they believed he was killed in the process. As it turns out, he was trapped in this antimatter universe, and he's pretty pissed about it. The second Doctor, Benton, and the Brigadier run into Arthur, who has been hiding from the monsters. He begrudgingly leads them to Omega's fortress. Once everyone is there, Omega tells them that he doesn't want to return to his duties as a Time Lord, but be a god. He locks everyone up, and the two Doctors fight some more. Naturally, they escape, and the two Doctors do mental kung fu with Omega, but Omega proves too strong and overwhelms the third Doctor. Since they've now traveled in the TARDIS and also been part of genocides, that officially makes Brigadier and Benton companions. <laughs> Huzzah! Well done, lads. You have officially graduated <laughs> to companion status. <laughs> it also makes the second Doctor a companion. <laughs> I still don't know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it to you now. Is the helmet required or is it a personal choice? Because Omega's helmet is kind of really stupid. <laughs> In the fourth episode, he explains that the helmet's important because it stops the antimatter universe from like disintegrating you, basically. But when he said that, I was like, is it really, though? That helmet, the one you're wearing right now? That's what it was designed for? Or did you just think it looked cool? I feel like he made that helmet because he thought it looked cool. And then in about the 30,000th year that he was stuck there, that's when he decided, you know what, this might actually be important. I don't know if it's not, but <laughs> I've been wearing this thing for fucking 30,000 years. So uh, I'm too scared to take it off now, even though it's musty as hell in here. <laughs> It's musty as hell, but I'm nose blind, so... <laughs> Omega gives off the vibe that he isn't aware of his body odor. Yeah, well, he's been living alone for, like, I don't know. How long have the Time Lords been time-traveling? Hundreds of thousands of years? A million years? I don't know. He's been here a while. I don't think B.O. is something he's really had to concern himself with. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the episode of Futurama with, like, the fucking particle ball... Uh, that can make anything at once that captures the Star Trek crew. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is basically that episode. <laughs> Omega starts uh, doing villain rants as, as he is wont to do, and he obviously isn't the master, but the actor who plays Omega has a very has a lot of similar speech patterns to Roger Delgado, and, like, if I didn't know better, I was kind of expecting him to take off the helmet. It was like, ha I was me the whole time. It was me the whole time. Now, Doctor, get me out of here. I need your help. <laughs> I need your help. It, it may sound curious, but I actually need your help. No? No, it doesn't, actually. That's actually exactly what I thought the moment I saw you. I can't tell if this, if Omega does a really good job of pitching his his plan or a really bad job. But, like, if I was a doctor, I'd be asking more questions when he's saying what he wants. Because at this point in the episode, it seems like he just wants to leave, which doesn't seem so bad. And then it's revealed, like, he also wants to destroy the Time Lords. And I'm like, okay, but again, that doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not sure what the bad part is. <laughs> I'm going to achieve my freedom and destroy the Time Lords, okay? So what's the downside? I'm listening. Go on. The Brigadier 
consistently throughout this episode is just completely unable to comprehend how they're not on Earth anymore. He's assumed that we've been transported a couple of miles away to, like, a beach, and it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, you've transported us to the BBC quarry. I do really like this debate, because Omega's, like, actually giving out. It actually starts listing the the downsides. And he kind of has this debate with the Doctor. And Omega kind of, from from his perspective, from his psychotic perspective, Omega makes some good points. Because <laughs> doctor, the doctor's like, if you don't stop your energy drain, you'll destroy the whole universe. And Omega's like, yes, it shall be an interesting spectacle to witness. And the doctor's like, but then you'll be alone forever. And Omega's basically like, meh, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the status quo. How is that different from what I've been doing so far? All you're saying right now is that I'll get to watch a really cool fireworks display for a minute. Sounds sweet. Let's go for it. Really uh, shake things up around here. <laughs> I've just been watching all 11 seasons of Cheers just on repeat for the past million years. It's kind of gotten old after a while. <laughs> I waited a thousand years for season 12. And I kind of I kind of really love Omega, if for no other reason than he's such an extra bitch, because every time he does a villain monologue, and he does a lot of them, he's constantly pacing and, like, does dramatic turns with his, with his cloak. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Respect. Like, he's clearly been practicing this for so long. He's like, I'm going to do this villain monologue and then turn here. No. No, maybe I should turn one line earlier. Yes, 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 that works much better. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Mac, he's been trapped for 30,000 years. The, man, the man's had time. <laughs> he's finally tuned his evil villain, Riz. Do you know how many times I've gotten through all 99 bottles of beer? <laughs> <laughs> so after the second Doctor arrives and they... Uh, tried to convince him not to destroy everything. He finds out they're the same person and gets mad and throws them in jail. And the doctors come up with the natural obvious solution of bickering with each other. Why not? It's worked so well for them so far. <laughs> Literally to the point where Benton and Joe have to go, doctors, shut the fuck up. But then Joe points out that if Omega is a Time Lord and he's able to manipulate this universe around him, surely... With two Time Lords working together, you should be able to fight back in your own sort of battle of wills type thing. And I <laughs> really wanted them to focus together because they create a door in the cell that they go through. And I really wanted them to focus and create Cyrano de Bergerac <laughs> to fight <laughs> Omega. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Not the fanfic episode again. It would have been hilarious. <laughs> I would have died. It would have... Just so you know, if that happened, this would have been bottom episode. <laughs> for sure the worst episode. Ah, oh, but you gotta respect the troll. And then, so, the doctors form a door in the cell. And then the doctors go through. And they basically say, hey, everybody wait here because it's too dangerous. Uh, and then they're And then... Obviously, they don't. The professor goes through, then Joe goes through, then Benton goes through. And then immediately after Benton goes through, the door disappears. And, man, 
it's a good thing Benton got through there in time because I'm picturing him just like his leg getting stuck in the wall <laughs> and they have to amputate it. Or worse, it just gets amputated by the wall. I, I do love that moment because they're, like, they're all like, stay here, it's too dangerous. And they walk out and the Brigadier's like, I'm not worried about that. And Joe's like, well, I'm not staying if you're not. And Benton's like, well, if everyone else is doing it. Well, I don't want to be here by myself. Omega's been alone for way too long because the doctors find like the source of the power absorption thing and omega comes in and is and is pissed and the doctor's like you can't defeat us it's two against one uh and omega's like very well then you will have to face the dark side of my mind (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh no not the dark side of his mind. Fucking edgelord <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I thought. The dark side of his mind here being represented by a, a weird melty-faced elf wearing fishmail bodysuit. But sure. Sure. Homo erotic vibes. To, to clarify, their battle of wills is just like the doc, the third doctor being in like this dark purgatory fighting... I guess the dark side of Omega's mind, which is a melty-faced elf wearing fishmail bodysuit. It's weird. Omega's like, you will face the dark side of my mind, and in the background they can hear Linkin Park playing. (laughs) Face the power of my OC! (laughs) It's like, you'll face the dark part of my mind. And while they're having this wrestling thing, there's just, like, very distantly in the background of this purgatory... There's just like a big chicken <laughs> in a in a cat suit just like jerking it. <laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> Listen, we all we all have those corners of our mind. Hey, we don't we don't like to admit they're there, but they're there. <laughs> He's been alone for a really long time. And you can make anything happen. You can make anything, anything. happen. And after the first thousand years, sometimes just boobs and dicks don't do it for you anymore. You have to start getting creative. <laughs> Listen, guys, I know it's weird. Post-nut clarity is a thing. <laughs> you, you have to start getting creative, and when no one is around to judge you, you start getting really creative. <laughs> <laughs> have we ran this jerking off joking in the ground yet? I, I think honestly <laughs> think we have a lot more material to work with, but we can stop if you want. I'm only halfway through the first page. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> now I'm just picturing them, like, taking a black light to his palace. And just, like, the whole thing is covered. <laughs> well, okay. You know that's the case. I mean, obviously it is. Look, the soldiers that he created are very squishy. Okay. (laughs) He breaks that time bridge. He's like, I don't even know where it's going to go now. (laughs) I could be fucking anything. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Weird-ass masturbation fantasies aside, uh, I guess this Battle of Will's thing, this weird wrestling match, is better than them just, like, standing there and staring at each other so 
I'll give it that. <laughs> Could yeah, be worse. it's unique. And then, uh, then the doctor is overwhelmed by the dark side of <laughs> Omega's mind. Welcome to the dark side of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Anyway, episode four. The second doctor saves the third and tells Omega they are his only chance of escaping the antimatter universe. The two agree to take Omega's place in the antimatter universe so that he may return and time travel can continue as usual. However, Omega removes his mask to realize that the o- that the antimatter universe. God, I say that a lot. Omega removes his mask to realize that the antimatter universe has dissolved his body and he only exists in ethereal form. This makes him mad and wants to destroy both universes. After some classic Doctor shenanigans, they end up blowing up Omega and his antimatter universe. Fuck, I said that four times in four <laughs> paragraphs. Everybody escapes to Earth relatively unharmed. The Doctors say their goodbyes, and as a reward, the Time Lords free the Doctor from his exile on Earth. But he isn't ready to leave quite yet. Spoiler alert, the next episode is off-world. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, two more minutes. <laughs> I could give it two, be five minutes. I kind of miss, I mean, I've said multiple times in this story how much I've missed the second Doctor. But I kind of miss, like, his kind of approach to dealing with enemies of like playing the fool and trying to get under their skin because the second doctor at one point straight up says i'm trying to see how much focus he needs in order to maintain this world by Mm -hmm. just annoying the shit out of him (laughs) (laughs) i mean it worked every other time i mean it worked every other time for him but i think that's a really good example of two different doctors having two different approaches to the same problem because the second doctor keeps being like an idiot and annoying Omega and third doctor is like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop that. And second's like, no, we like, we need to test his boundaries. (laughs) Like we need to figure out what he can do. We need to figure out what can make him tick so we can beat him. And third doctor's like, Oh yeah, I usually just do like weird ass karate shit, but that's a good idea. (laughs) I usually just push him over. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting because I, I used to write and like the second doctor was always kind of thinking two steps ahead and trying to manipulate his opponent, whereas the third doctor just kind of is more rough and tumble and just kind of takes charge. And if he can't outsmart them, he just beats them up. Yeah. Manushin Aikido, baby. I would love for him to bring that up when the second doctor is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Venusian Aikido. Hmm. That's a good idea. I should go to Venus and learn karate. (laughs) (laughs) And so then Omega explains that he needs someone here to maintain his world. And he says, I am the Atlas of my own world. Two things. One, that's a badass line. Two, how do you know what Atlas is? (laughs) (laughs) He's a time lord. He He knows all the time stuff. He's the one who invented time travel. How does he know what Atlas is? How does he know anything? How does he know who the Doctor is? Is it just because the Doctor was, like, the one Time Lord who was away from the home planet? Or maybe he thought since the Doctor was kind of a renegade already, he'd be able to convince the Doctor. Because he wants the Doctor... His whole scheme is to get the Doctor to stay and take his place so he can be free, right? Yeah. Being said, I feel like the Master would be more on board with this plan than the Doctor would. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. You could have just said, hey, you'll literally control this whole antimatter universe. He's like, control the universe. Bitchin'. I get to control a universe and you'll kill all the Time Lords? 
<laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> Why didn't he talk to the master? I don't know. The more I'm thinking about it, like, because Omega also talks about wanting to destroy the entire universe, and, like, the master has straight up tried to do that. Like, he has been okay with being a master of Ash. The whole business with Kronos was, yeah, Kronos is probably going to destroy the world, and master's like okay but i will destroy i will rule what's left what's left will be nothing nothing is something maybe omega would be worried that the master would betray him the doctor definitely i mean well the doctor does betray like the doctor would betray him if it means stopping him i don't know i think like at the exact moment that the doctors destroy this antimatter universe and omega with it he's like oh you know what i should have (laughs) done you know (laughs) What about that master guy? <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> All of that being said, he's convincing them to stay and take his place and kind of explain like, oh yeah, you have to wear these sick, cool, amazing helmets. And he's going to take his off. And they're like, we can't take it off because um, you don't exist anymore. And then he does take the helmet off and like it's a green screen effect of him not being in the suit. But the absolute painful, shrill scream he gives off was so good. It was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it was, it was a howl. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, he just, now he just goes completely unhinged. And Omega is just like, I do exist. I will prove I exist. I will prove I exist by destroying everything else. If I don't exist, then I wouldn't be able to do that. And I just have the line written down. He didn't say this, but I have it written down of, I kill, therefore I am. (laughs) Yep, basically. (laughs) No, it's a really good moment. And yeah, he just goes completely off his fucking rocker afterwards. Uh, I love that. I love that. And then, uh, weirdly, half of this episode is... is the doctor standing around being like, okay, what science gobbledygook are we going to do to defeat Omega? Yeah, they kind of go back and forth trying to figure out how the fuck are we even going to kill this guy because he's basically a god here. And then they do, like, all three doctors then do, like, that weird contact mind conference thing. And we're just kind of like, it quickly jumps between the three of them. And then they're like, okay, that's risky, but we'll do it. And I'm like, it kind of... It feels a little cheap that they kind of just had a thought, had a had a conference we are not privy to, and figured out how to kill the god. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roach yourself into a corner, did you, lads? Yeah, the writers are like, how do you kill God? <laughs> We're about to find out. And then, like, they ha- they come up with a plan, and the doctor is like, okay, here's the thing, because all of them are inside the TARDIS right now. He's like, okay, here's the thing. We're about to go out there and do something really stupid. We need you all to just go along with it, okay? Whatever we do, just listen to what we have to say, and we'll get we'll get through this. And everyone's like, okay. And then they all go out, and the doctors are like, okay, we'll agree to help you, but on the condition that you send all of the humans home first. And then Joe just makes this huge ruckus saying, no, no, you can't leave me. You can't, you can't send me away. I must stay with you. I have to help. I'm like, Joe, 
You just fucking promised to go along with it. Shut the fuck up and get into that cheap smoke effect. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's been very indignant lately about not wanting to leave the doctor's side. So she's, I feel like it's going to be a a tough one for her to not be a companion anymore. Yeah, I know why she leaves. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) that was not a, that was not a convincing sigh. I just heard. I, I very vaguely remember it. And uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to that episode of like, what was the details of that? That's in the future. What exactly is their plan here? So after the second doctor doesn't shut up about the recorder for a long time, they find out that it has been lodged in this piece of the TARDIS console. And so like they take that out and then they leave the TARDIS and uh, they're like, if you take this box, you will be able to go to our world. And then Omega's like, I don't believe you. And then the doctors are both like really bad, do a really bad job of deceiving Omega. They're like, touch the box. Take the fucking box. It will really help you. Omega's like, no. And then he like smacks the box out of hand and ha That's what they wanted in the first place. <laughs> Good enough. And then like the recorder apparently was still regular matter and hadn't been converted. I guess, and the moment that it touched the ground, it blew up the whole universe. I think. I was a little unclear on it. If I'm going to be 100 yeah. percent honest with you, because when it matter and antimatter collide, they explode. So when you put a recorder in the antimatter universe, it blows up. The matter and antimatter colliding and then bad things happening. I get that. That part is whatever. Sure. Whatever. What I don't understand is A, why didn't the recorder get turned into antimatter if literally everything else did? And B, if the antimatter universe did just fucking explode, why did the Doctor and the TARDIS just kind of pop back into the regular universe. Oh, was it, don't you don't you remember? Because uh, they have the line, because Joe's straight up like, okay, but how are you guys alive? And it's like, well, put everything back in its place, and I guess this is where the TARDIS was supposed to be. Shut the fuck up, Doctor. Uh-huh. That is the most bullshit made-up <laughs> thing I've ever heard on this show. Yeah, I think this is the one actual, like, failing of this story, is that it really just feels like the writers were just like, I don't know how to have the doctor win here so they just kind of do and then he wins <laughs> yeah i i agree it, it it does feel cheap and it feels very badly explained maybe i just didn't feel like it was as badly explained as other adventures i've been on maybe with the third doctor okay here's just like a tiny little detail teeny tiny little detail it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing So it's the one time that I'm actually okay with them cutting back the Time Lords because, like, the power draining thing is gone. The black hole is, like, sealed back up. Everything's hunky-dory. And the Time Lords say that the Doctors were able to defeat Omega and eliminate his antimatter universe. The Time Lords aren't supposed to know that Omega was through that black hole. And at no point did the Doctors tell them that it was Omega they were fighting. Which means the Time Lords did know Omega was through that black hole. And they just 
left in there for however long he's been stuck there. <laughs> They're such fucking assholes. Man, <laughs> fuck the Time Lords. That's why they called in the doctor to to take care of it, because they knew Omega was on the other side, and they're like, look, either Omega kills the doctor or the doctor kills Omega. Either way, it's a win for us. <laughs> <laughs> Could we delete that black hole ourselves? Probably. Maybe. But uh, two birds, one stone, you know? But then, you know, the second doctor goes back to his own timeline, and uh, the Time Lords reward the third with the dematerialization circuit, and he remembers the codes and stuff he needs in order to pilot the TARDIS again. So break out the streamers and the confetti. We can finally get out of this unit formula. <laughs> oh, thank God. Noisemaker sound. <laughs> Goodbye, Brigadier. It was kind of shitty, to be honest. I mean, we're not done with unit, but like, it's not as regular of a thing now. <laughs> That's fine. I'll take it. And yeah, that was the three doctors. That was the three doctors. Trivia. So Fraser Hines was supposed to make a return in this episode. <laughs> Where is he? Well, he was busy filming something else at the time and he couldn't get away. And no one is more upset by that than Fraser Hines. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, God fucking damn it. I could have. Uh, I was too busy doing other shit. I wanted to be back, but I couldn't. And God fucking beat a dirt. Zoe was apparently also supposed to make a return, but John Pertree felt like too many returning characters would be distracting. Apparently he was fine with Jamie, but uh, <laughs> Zoe coming back, eh, no. I mean, look, if we bring Zoe back, we can't bring everybody back. <laughs> Fucking endgame scene of all the companions <laughs> walking through time portals. That would actually be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but because of how the hiatuses fell of between the seasons, like this story came out 10 to 11 months earlier than the actual 10th month anniversary, but it was like the only time they could have actually fit it in. Much like their actual characters, initially Troughton and Pertwee did not get along well at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> they both had two very different acting styles, because Troughton was very fond of, like, ad-libbing and goofing around, whereas Pertree was very by-the-books and stuck to the script. And Pertree was, like, getting angry that Troughton kept saying additional shit, and Troughton's response was, Stop worrying about what I'm going to say. Just start worrying about what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and Pertree apparently had, like, a habit of... The actor who played Omega, his name was Stephen Thorne, First, we had a habit of, like, moving Stephen Thorne around so that the camera would get a better shot of Pertwee. And Troughton objected to that because he felt like the camera was correctly focused more on the monster. And that should be the focus. After a while, the two did become friends. And they did they did actually start becoming getting along very well. That being said, any time that they were in public together, they absolutely just ramped up the animosity between the two of them and just like play acted <laughs> the fact that they hated each other interesting and uh yeah trivia final thoughts i like this episode i like it a lot um they did write themselves into a corner there are some scenes that could just be cut entirely spoilers uh all the six episodes should be four episodes and all the four episodes should be two episodes <laughs> <laughs> but overall i liked it i felt like it was a very strong return to form because i feel like we've had some real 
rough ones lately. Mm-hmm. So, but this episode was fun and it moved fast. I liked the villain. Uh, yeah, there, there was more good than bad. And therefore, it is probably my favorite episode of the Third Doctor. It's definitely my favorite Third Doctor episode so far. Um, it just it just felt so nice having the Second Doctor back. It was really nice. It had it had a good sense of humor. Again, I also liked the villain and the dark side of his mind. <laughs> and I like that we kind of had a little bit of Time Lord lore, Time Lore, if you will. That was kind of cool. But that being said, anything that actually showed the Time Lords could have been cut the fuck out. And then I didn't like how they won. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But that's kind kind of the only real complaint I have. And I really liked it otherwise. And I was really looking forward to this one because, like, for the longest time, I was like, I want to watch this episode. But I can't watch this episode because I know it won't take too long before we're here <laughs> so i should just wait until the until the podcast episode so i was like oh finally get to watch this one yeah this isn't really a complaint with this episode but kind of time lords in general even though they're not in a ton of episodes i do feel like they're starting to get a little overused because when they're first like officially introduced in the war games they're so powerful and they're they're so like oh my god these guys are the masters of the universe and now they need the doctor's help delivering packages yeah and I feel like the more we see them, the more wimpy they're coming off as. Yeah. Return to the Time Lords not being on screen. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think the Time Lords are better used if they're more ethereal force of nature. I also felt like this probably would have been a good episode to change Doctors. Yeah. Like, watching the episode, I'm like, this feels like a transition episode. It would have been cool if, like, the episode was still called The Three Doctors but only the second doctor is brought back and they're like, hmm. And just like, as you're going along, it's like, huh, okay, so when are they bringing you back the first doctor? They're not. They're bringing in the fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Yeah, that would have been cool. But now I feel like the third doctor's adventures are wrapped up and I don't know what it's going to do from here. Except, obviously, not be on fucking Earth, hopefully for a good long while. Yeah, again, like, he, not to give too much of a spoiler, I guess, but like, he does come back to unit occasionally but like there's now longer periods of time where he's just like traveling in the TARDIS well that's it for this episode guys thanks for listening if you want to support the podcast the best thing you can do is give it five stars and tell your friends about it you can listen to us on Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts you know all the major podcast things if you want to follow us you can follow us on Instagram at Quick Trip Podcast you can also check out Mac's YouTube channel Mac the Ma, where they do insightful videos about video games And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we watch the third Doctor's first adventure outside of exile in the Carnival of Monsters. I don't fucking like that already. (laughs) 